there are no shortcuts in life. I think most of us can agree with that statement. But I want to do a little bit of a stretch from there. When say there's no shortcuts in life, then I would also want to say there are no shortcuts in our spiritual life. Because so often we want the results, but we're not so interested in the journey that takes us to get there. We want to start eating healthier, but in order to change our diet, man, that's a lot. I want to just be able to pray and have those results right away. Now, as we've been going through the series, through the book of Daniel, in between two worlds, what is it to be living in, in the midst of just in two different types of cultures? Today, we're heading into the part of one of the stories that one of the most talked about stories before. It's one of the most famous stories, and I don't even need to spoil the ending because we probably already even or you already even know that know it already. But what I want to do, just really quick, just to show, because really in our culture, really even in our language, that we've seen, or heard these titles, we've been given just what these stories have been told before, that you probably even know how it even ends. So just just maybe a little bit of interaction right now. I'm going to just have a part of the story, the word, and then there's a blank, and together as a congregation, I'll say the word, and congregation, you give me the blank. So first this, the first one. If I say Noah's, what are you going to say is? Very good. David and? Daniel and the? See, we already knew that. It's the famous stories, isn't it? But when we look at these stories, the one thing I, I realized myself, when we probably think about these stories, is that when we look at Noah's ark, well, we, we see, like, wow, how did he have that faith that for him to be able to just trust in God, to be like, okay, you're going to build this boat out in the middle of nowhere, and you've never seen rain before, and but wow, look at his faith. But we see the ark, but we don't often see his time of his prayer, the righteousness of just following God in the midst of where and nobody else was, for him to develop his faith, to get to the point where he was able to trust in him during that time. Or even David and Goliath. Wow, look, this underdog, so young, be able to take out a giant all on his own, and all of a sudden, but we forget all the endless nights that he was just praying to God, having this intimacy, just building this relationship with him before he got to that result. And then we don't even see with Daniel. And the lions said, how was he ever just delivered? Be able to have such this calmness, be able to just go on with his faith, to keep praying. And we forget the decades that he was praying before in order for him to get up to this point. Now, if you're like me, a lot of times when we look at the story of Daniel, a lot of times, we, maybe in Sunday school, and where we've seen before, we, we probably colored in this worksheet where we see just Daniel, just when he was in the lions, and just kind of hanging out with them, just kind of petting them like they're cats, or just like, 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 like little pets. But what you won't see a lot of times is that by this time in, um, for Daniel in his life, he's about 80 years old. And not only that, but he's being thrown into an execution cave. He's not going there to go to a pet store, okay? And we don't see that he has been praying. He's been wanting to go home. Not, not trying to rule over and be part of the kingdom. He's, he's just been praying year after decades. But God, when am I going to go home? Because we don't forget that. We don't see that he, we forget, he was exiled 
from, as a teenager, marched across to the desert, having his culture just almost being to be losing his identity, losing his culture. And we learned one of the main points about him in the story is that he's able to stand in prayer. It's because he's been, sorry, he's been able to stand in adversity because he's been in, in, on his knees in prayer. But so often we want the results of prayer without praying. Well, because prayer is too hard. I don't have enough time. I, I don't even know what to pray about. And it's when we are in those moments of feeling of just like, I don't know what to do about prayer. I'm not, I'm not in prayer. We need to let the results of prayer be what motivates us and moves us towards getting back into this relationship, into this discipline of pleading before God in our own lives. Because the one pattern that we see in Scripture, when we see the results of prayer, it always had somebody in back behind the scenes that had been praying for a very long time. Every day, asking for God and pleading for asking for just for decades for him to be able to see the results. And if we follow that exact same pattern then, well, then we would both see the same results. But in those moments that we do get discouraged, because if you have been, and like me, we've been praying sometimes, maybe for days or even for weeks. We're, we're, I don't see an answer, maybe even months. And when we get discouraged, we got to remember, we got to not get be discouraged, but we got to get disciplined again. Look at the way we've been praying. Or have we been praying? What if I'm praying the wrong way? What if I don't know what to pray about? And that's what I want to show us today in today's passage in Daniel chapter 6. And what he was praying, what he was bringing up to God. And just for the context, in, so we're going to turn to the Bible, so you have one with me, in Daniel chapter 6, but actually we're going to go one verse right before that. Because in the context, we finally see the regime change here. The entire time we've been talking about in Daniel, he's been going through, um, they've been in the kingdom of Babylon, and now they are switching over to the kingdom of Persia. And the prophecy had been fulfilled, what they've been talking about. Okay, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are this golden part of the statue, and the next was the two parts of the silver, two inferior kingdoms that will come together and take over. And, and we see that as the, the Medes and the Persians, and those two came together to overtake Babylon. That has been fulfilled. So then there is a new ruler. But the reason why I want to stop just one verse right before chapter 6 is where in the Hebrew Bible it starts um, this chapter. Because this is where we see a serious historical problem. Because this one passage here in, verse, in chapter, sorry, chapter 6 verse 1 is where many scholars have said, like, well, the Bible cannot be true because the first ruler of Persia was not Darius. Therefore, we cannot trust the Bible. The Bible is not reliable. So I'm kind of taking like a little side note. I got to explain why Darius is, is, is mentioned here. Because in, in chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 31, it says, And Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. But who is this Darius character? Even in the book of Ezra, we see that it was Cyrus that was the king during this time. So is this a discrepancy? Now, the way that we explain this, it's just looking into the context of what was going on. Darius is really a title that is given to the ruler at the time. Very similar to if we would have, say, if there was a, in the Roman Empire, there's the Caesars. Not everybody was called named Caesar. But when you got to that level, you were the emperor, you would be the Caesar. It's very similar in the Egyptian time. Every, there are many pharaohs. 
Not everybody was born a, you're a pharaoh. No, that was the title that was ascribed to them when they were the ruler. It's very similar. Cyrus was given the title a Darius. That's why we will see the interchanging between so Cyrus and Darius are the same guy. It's the same thing. So that's how we reconcile the difference in the, um, the context there. And so what, during this time, and they have just been waiting. The entire nation of Israel have been praying. They've never stopped, including Daniel. Because when they left, they were exiled. They were told, one day, you'll be going home. And they've just been praying. And it's never stopped. Well, when is this going to happen, though? Maybe it's coming. They're starting to see perhaps something a little bit different. Because before, when they saw with the Babylonian Empire, they're just waiting after Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe after he became a believer, maybe we can go home. Not quite. His son took over, Belshazzar, and we saw him in the last few weeks. He was parading around the temple artifacts. Like, not looking very like, likely that we're going to go home now. This guy's not going to send us back. But all of a sudden, when they see this kingdom taken over, they're starting to send people back home. Maybe this is it. Maybe God is answering their prayer. Maybe this is part of God's answered prayer with this kingdom, this, this regime change from Babylonians over to the Persians. So what we see here in actually in chap, chapter 6 is verse 1. And this is where the story picks up. They've been praying this entire time. And this is a new regime change. This is what happens. Daniel's still in the story. It says in verse 1, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, Darius was an, Cyrus, was an administrative genius. The, the, the kingdom of Persia was really, really just big. It stretched all the way from northern Africa to parts of Turkey, modern-day Turkey, all the way to parts of India. A lot bigger than what we, we used to call the United States of America. We have 50 states. He had about 120 and so one of the things he did was like, okay, I, I got to be able to take care and govern all of this. So he had three officials like, you guys are going to help me and split this up, be able to take each different areas to help me govern, to take care of the land and report back to me. But Daniel, since he was from the Babylon the Empire, he had already been overlooking the part of where Babylon was, Persia. His province was the closest to the king. And we built this very, very good relationship. But like many times with Daniel that we've seen throughout in his earlier chapters, he gets promoted again. I mean, that's a very kind of common pattern. He does a really good job. But these high officials, their, their, their role was just to create order in the land, collect the taxes, and just keep the peace. But Daniel did a better job than the other two high officials. So what we see happen in verse 4, so then the high officials and the satraps, they sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, 
We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And Daniel knows how you feel if you've ever had co-workers or friends who just kind of had it out for you. They didn't want to see you succeed in, in life. Now, we do not know the exact reason of why they were out to get him or why they were trying to have him fail. Um, we, we, perhaps he just because they were wanting to do, have some kind of political corruption. But every time he tried to do something, and then Daniel like, would stop him because of his integrity. Or maybe he's just getting old. He just wanted to get the new, new guy in, in power. Maybe get one of the friends in, in power. So we don't know exactly why. But when they tried to try to remove Daniel from office, they couldn't find anything wrong with them. Wouldn't be, that would be a nice thing to say about our current political leaders? Like, we kind of see somebody that they put up for be, to voting, and then you just got to look 10 years back. Look what they posted on social media, and they find something about them in their history and their past. And they, you know, they find some kind of dirt and just dig it up. But they tried to dig up some dirt on Daniel. They found absolutely nothing. And it says, I love these words, faithful and without error. So these two high officials and an undisclosed say trip, so we don't know how many, didn't want him to succeed. And I learned when I was doing some research about this passage that this, was, this doesn't just happen in just our human behavior when we, when we don't want others to be able to do better in their life. I found this out that it actually happens also in the animal kingdom. You may have heard of this before, and I just learned this thing was new. It's a thing called the, the crab syndrome or the crab mentality. And I'm going to check this out next time I go to a... a the uh, grocery store that has crabs in a, in a bucket. And they say that what happens is that if you have a bunch of crabs that are just sitting in a bucket and just waiting for our, to be cooked for our deliciousness, that you don't need to cover it. And the reason why is because as soon as a crab kind of gets up and tries to make a break for it and try to escape, the other crabs will pull it right back down. I'm like, oh my God. So that's why. And a lot of times in our lives, if we ever feel it, like I'm just trying to get ahead in life, that if, you can't, if I can't get ahead in life, I'm going to pull you back down. And that is what has been happening today. If, the high future, if we can't get ahead, if we can't be that ruler ahead, neither can you. Pulling back. But we found out he continued to be this man of prayer. We do not know exactly how they knew that. How did they know that Daniel was just always praying? But, we, but that is who he was. But then that led into ver, the next verse, in verse 6. So then these high officials and satraps came by agreement, so we can't get the fault, to the king and said, okay, this is what we're going to try. O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. All of the high officials, a little bit of exaggeration there. I don't think Daniel was part of that. They were lying to the king. Not all the high officials were in, in agreement. Daniel would not agree with this part. But only using his name would the king agree to build the, write this injunction. And this was more of a political move over more than a religious move. What we had where uh, 
what Nebuchadnezzar did in, in chapter 3, where he wanted everybody to worship him. Because at this time, Cyrus, or Darius, was just, had just the entire kingdom. He was like, oh, how can I unite everybody together? Okay, just for 30 days, if we did the same thing together, just for 30 days. I mean, you can go back to worshiping your other gods after that, for just for 30 days, we're just going to do this to show that there's this unity within our country. I said, wow, this sounds like a great idea. So he agreed with it. And so in verse 8, we see that now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Now, he had three, Daniel would have three options at this point. Well, he could stop praying. It's just for 30 days. I mean, that's not too bad, right? I mean, okay, if I just don't pray to God for 30 days, and after that, I can start praying, and, and there's not much. I mean, 30 days in comparison to all these decades I've been praying to God, God would understand, wouldn't he? I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't lose the battle, but I'll win the war. Or I pray silently, maybe just do it really quiet. Nobody can hear me when I'm praying. I can get away with this. It's just for 30 days. Or I continue to pray to my God the way I have. and never, nothing's ever changed and risk my life. So we see here, this is what Daniel does in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went up, went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before the, his God as he had done previously. What was Daniel praying about? Ever since he was young, ever since he was exiled, he had never stopped praying, God, when are we going home? He's been lamenting, and, I, and I'll talk about how to lament in a bit. He's been asking God, when are we going home? He has never stopped praying for that. And he continues to do what he's always been doing because he's never stopped. Because very often, a lot of times, when we hit against a time of adversity, like, okay, then we, get start, we start to pray. See, we don't need to do that if all we've ever been doing is have been praying, and then when adversity comes, nothing ever changes. We just continue in doing what we always have been. And so when this adversity comes to him, he just has continued doing what he has been doing for many decades. Nothing has ever changed. But he opened the window, and the context I found is that it helps him focus, letting the fresh air coming into to, to where he, um, into his room. And the way I kind of think about it in modern terms, I don't know about you, when we, we want to get into a time of prayer, I don't know what you guys kind of use to help meditate for, uh, for the focus. For me, it's uh, either just having this nice, my morning cup of coffee, when you just smell that aroma coming in, just helps you kind of focus in. And for, or for me to just be able to just put on some music, just be able to listen, be able to worship for just a few moments, it helps me focus. And just for Daniel, that was his way. That's why he opened that window for him at that moment. And he faced Jerusalem because King Solomon had taught them how to pray. He said, when you pray, you pray towards the temple. 
Because it was at the temple where the presence of God descended and his glory just filled every place into there. So when they were told to pray, you prayed towards that. But the temple had been destroyed. So when he was facing Jerusalem, opening the window to pray towards there, remember, the presence is not there anymore, God, but one day it would come back. And he did three times a day. Because King David reminded them, this is how we are to pray when you plead to God. In Psalm 55, it tells us in verse 16 to 17, But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan. He's lamenting, and he hears my voice. We prayed through you. That was how he was taught. And so we see from Daniel, even in this whole series, living in between two worlds, he resolved himself that he would not defile himself with the king's food. He resolved himself that he would just hold on to his customs and his own culture. And he also resolved that he would also be somebody that would pray, and he would never stop praying for the deliverance of his people. And he prayed unapologetically. He is a very busy executive. And it, with the midst of all the, his duties that he had to govern over in this entire time, he never made any excuses. He made sure that the prayer was going to be a priority in his life, and he never stopped. So then we see in verse 11, he's continuing to pray. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. This is an invasion of privacy here. Because see, the window that they had in, in, in this time, and I don't know why, maybe it's because in Sunday school, I always just kind of imagined Daniel, when he, got, he heard this, 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 this decree, he went up to like this big balcony door and just threw it open and like, hey, look at me pray, like something like a Disney movie or something. I don't know. I just kind of had that in my mind. But no, the window that they had in their time was just a, probably a small little window up on the second story, a higher part of, of the building, with a lattice over it. And the reason why they did that was because the robbers can't come into your house. <laughs> and so for them to see that Daniel was praying into his house, I mean, these guys would have to find a way to look into his window from like a higher point and stare. And he's really like, I'm like, stalk him? And the more I think about that, it, that's kind of creepy, actually. I mean, these guys, I mean, these grown men are just trying to figure out a way how to look at Daniel. Hey, what is he doing? Oh, he's been praying through his window. And so then in verse 12, as they're seeing this happen, then they came near and said before the king, concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Well, the king answered and said, well, yep, the things stand fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, you know Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but he makes this petition three times a day. Hey, what? You know that injunction you just signed? And they reiterated, Exactly what he said. Don't make sure. Wait, wait. You, you know what you did, right? You know what you said. But look what they called Daniel here. You know Daniel, the other high official that you really like a lot? No, they didn't call him that. 
day of the, the guy, the exile, it makes me think that this was actually racially motivated. They didn't use his title. They didn't use his name. There's something else going on here. Remember that guy? Yeah. But as soon as the king heard this, verse 14, then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. They're reiterating again. The word deliver here, king realizing that he had been tricked. Not all the high officials agreed to this. Because obviously Daniel wouldn't have done this. And there's some theories of what, that, what he tried to do, because he's trying to, okay, how do I get him out of this? This is my, the guy I'm about to promote. What can I do? And there's some theories were saying that perhaps he went during that day to try to go to the lions. Maybe if I could feed him enough, maybe I could get him full enough to kind of leave Daniel alone. Maybe I could put some kind of armor around him, just try to get some sort of protection so that he could just be okay. Realizing that the only way to get delivered would be anything, nothing short of a miracle. And I believe that he was accused right in the very first morning because those other high officials knew when he was going to pray every early in the morning, had all afternoon to try to find a figure out a way to deliver and at why? Because at nighttime was when he was going to get cast into the, his execution. All of this happening in less than 12 hours. Ironically, the high officials were calling out the integrity of Daniel when they didn't have any integrity at all. But even in the midst of everything that's going on for Daniel, how would he keep praying? In the midst of this adversity, there's this calmness. And this is what we're going to learn from him, is that the rewards, what comes from prayer, is what is going to keep us in prayer. What kept him in prayer was that one day he would go home. One day his people would see the promised land again. And that's what kept him going and kept him praying again. And that's why when we see the results, what could potentially come from when you and I pray that could lead us into keep praying in our daily lives. So we want to see the results of God in our own life. So how do we pray then? And I want to leave us with just a few ways, practical ways, how you can pray this week, and I'm going to add the one that has helped me the most, how to get me into a habit of daily praying. Because in your weeks this week, pray, there's three things I'm going to bring up first. The first thing is to pray, ask God, ask Him for wisdom. God, in the midst of what I'm going through right now, is there a creative solution to my situation? where I do not have to compromise my faith because I want to be able to keep you in honoring of your name. And perhaps there is. And God will give you an answer for that. And if, you, and if, you, if you're praying for that, God, there is no creative solution. So then, God, can you give me the courage then to stand firm in my faith that I would not compromise in my faith, that I would not compromise in my walk with you because I just want to honor you. And when we have that courage, 
and we remember to pray, we, if, or we're not remembering to pray, God, give me the discipline that I would continue to pray every day. That I would get into this habit of just like Daniel, because I want to have this pattern of prayer in my own life, because I want to see the results. I want to see you work in them. And maybe you've been doing that already, and that's good. But I'm going to show you another way to pray that was very similar to what Daniel has been doing. It's something that has helped me get into more habit of prayer. It's called the prayer of lament. And a lament, I've learned in this style of prayer, it is not to complain. <laughs> it's very simple for us to say that. I just want to complain to God. I could do that pretty well, too. But the way we lament is the first we need to turn to God. And we'll see this in Scripture. When they wanted to, for him, he turned to Jerusalem. And for David, he turned to God in prayer. God, here I am. I want, we need to talk. And what do we talk about? The first thing they did, I cry out to them. What's going on? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How long, oh Lord? How much longer, God, do I have to be here? How much longer are we going to be in exile? Be honest. Let your heart pour out to him. Cry out to him. But after you're done crying out, appeal to him. Deliver him. Would we go, can we go back home one day? Will you... Rescue us from the situation. Will you help us now? And you keep praying that. But the final part in a lament, and this is the most important part, and this is where he left, Daniel left the end of all of his prayers. And we see in the prayers in the Psalms as well, they trust his results to God. God, in your timing, you will answer your appeal. God, by your will, you will answer what is best for you and for your glory. And they would do that for days, for weeks, to months, and for decades until we see the results of God. Because when we are able to pray the way we are in James 5, 16, in the second part, it says, prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Wouldn't it be great to have great power? With the words great power could be associated the way you and I pray in our lives. But that starts when we start praying. <laughs> if we're not praying, how are we supposed to get the results of prayer? But the results of the prayer is what motivates us to keep on going. And so we need to start today. And it may take weeks, it may take decades, it may or even just years, but God eventually will be the one to be able to give us the answers to our prayers. Because if we follow and look at the, the pattern of the, all the heroes of the faith before us, they were always praying before they saw the results. And the same spirit that was in all of the heroes of the faith, whether we look at David, whether we look at Daniel, or even look at the prophet Elijah, every single one of them, they were always praying. But that same spirit that relies into them, that if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that same spirit is living inside of you. Because right in the next verse, right after the same, James tells us in James 17, because Elijah, the same guy who called down fire from him, the same guy who's prayed that, that it would stop raining, it would have these results that seemed like immediate. We don't see, we always forget, of how he has been praying in the wilderness and for years and for decades, to have this relationship with God. 
was a man just like us. Very nature just like you and me. But he prayed fervently. Could we say that about us this week? That you and I are somebody that we pray fervently. I'm going to have the worship team. If you guys can come on up, we're going to transition our time back to singing. Let's just imagine ourselves. What if everybody else in this, every single one of us in this room this morning would make it a goal that I'm going to be someone that will start praying today? Every single one of us that would do that together. When we start praying today so that after today we can look back at tomorrow, figure yesterday, and say, yeah, I prayed a lot more than yesterday. Then we can make it two days. How about you, everybody in this room, we were able to say, we're going to start praying today. I'm going to pray this entire week. And so that week from now, we look back at the previous week, like, wow, I, I prayed a lot bit more than I did last week. And then we, that week turns into months. And we start building upon them. That, 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 that next month, we look back at the end of this month, like, I prayed a lot more than I did perhaps last week. And those months turn into years. And those years can turn into a decade. And we're just praying and pleading to God and letting the results of what I want to see him and the appeals I've been waiting for him that would eventually come as a result. Because if we believe then that there are no shortcuts in life, then there are no shortcuts in our spiritual life as well. So we start praying now and we believe that by faith what he says in his word is true. And we can see the results happening in our lives. Let me start us by praying for us as we transition our time. God, give us faith to believe that what you say is true. And as we pray day after day, week after week, month after month, How much longer, Lord? God, for anybody here who has been feeling like we have been forsaken, that you are not listening to us, we appeal to you now. Would it be today? If not, we trust in you for the results. We trust in your timing. We will trust in your will. And then tomorrow, we will cry out again. And we will appeal again. And we will trust in you again, day after day, week after week, to years after years. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.